Hey everyone, it's Scott here. I want to take a quick minute before this episode starts just to give a big thank you to all of you listeners out there who have been following along with us from season one to season two and, and digging into all these interviews that we've been having with um, fantastic uh, West Michigan musicians and, and people associated with the music scene here. We're really trying to grow this community and connect everyone as much as we can in our own small way. So again, big thank you as we reach the end of our second season here. We're going to be taking off the rest of the summer and into the, the fall to continue to record more episodes and, and also just take a quick little break and breather um, before we pick up with season three, which is definitely in the plans. Before that, there might be one or two little special episodes between just KJ and I talking about different aspects of music. We can't seem to get enough of it anyways, so we'll, we'll, we'll throw them out there as we have the time to do so. But again, um, stay tuned. Season three will be coming. We're, we're going to have just as many awesome um, people to talk music with. And with that said, if you are a musician or artist or somebody associated with the music scene here in West Michigan, and you're interested in joining KJ and I in talking some aspect of music, um, please feel free to reach out to us at My Music Podcast in Instagram. Just send us a direct message about who you are, what you do, and um, we will reach right back out to you and try to find some type of opportunity to meet up and, and have a conversation. Um, so I think that is everything for right now. Um, I'll get off and let you all enjoy episode 10 of season two, and uh, we'll catch back up with you in season three sometime later this year. Thanks. Welcome to My Music Podcast, a podcast where we sit down with Michigan musicians and those alike and pick their brains on a whole lot of topics. I am one of your hosts, KJ. I'm your other host, Scott. Hey, Scott, I just said a whole lot of there. And you made whole a lot. I know. I didn't know what else to say. I was, I was thinking like, like uh, Led Zeppelin. Oh, like a whole lot of love? It's <laughs> <laughs> like clicked in my head. <laughs> Anywho, this person that we have with us today, I'm excited because I'm not even kidding you. They had one of my favorite albums of uh, the year last year, for sure. And this person is prolific and continuing to put out multiple albums with different people. And I'm just like, my brain, I can't keep up, man. We got the one and only, the lasso in the building with us, Andy Catlin. Can I lift off work tonight? Go till we get it right. Make up on my only advice, what's the delay? Stay ready with seasoning, whatever the reason is. Wherever your region is, any day. I know you're down to go rounds and you're battling front lines. You ain't gotta feel bad if you having a good time. What's hey, up? What's Good up, to have guys? You. And fresh off the stage. Fresh off the Frederick Meyer Garden stage. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks Good so stage. much for having me. Good to have you here. Yeah, yeah glad sure. to be here. And it's, um, should we say, it's going to be our season closer, so we're very season excited. Season finale, yeah. yeah. Boom, boom. You got to get like an air yeah, horns in here do all we'll of that. in there. <laughs> it's been a good season. We're yeah. happy to sort of top it off with you. I think this is going to be a good conversation. I yeah, agree. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk music. Yeah. Fellow Michigan musicians. Yeah. So let, let's, I mean, let's start. You fresh off the stage. I should mention, this is probably the, the one episode where we've had somebody closest to date <laughs> that this episode is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, this this will make sense here. So you fresh off the stage, Frederick Meyer here. How, how you feel? What, what was the experience like? Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I was playing with an artist, Jordan Hamilton. He's a cellist from Kalamazoo. I've playing a trio with him and a keyboard player, Grayson Nye, something between like 
film score, a beat set, and like some singer-songwriter kind of R&B vibes. So it's a really unique ensemble. Um, I play keys and drum machines. beautiful night big crowd big pa so i get to run a bunch of synth synth basses through a huge (laughs) pa outside like that's just so much fun that was filling in your chest yeah Yeah. that was the root of me wanting to join this group i kind of had some time this summer he was my roommate and i was like he was playing with an mpc like live looping but there's so many limitations when you just are looping with a single track looper. So I was like, hey, I got the summer and I'd love to just blast huge sounds through a PA. It's all his music, so great to be a part of somebody else's project. He writes all the music, he programs all the drums. I just help translate it live. Sweet. Was there any like learning curve to that? Are you just through like osmosis hanging out, knowing his music? Yeah, it's funny. Like I lived with him for like six months and he wrote a lot of the music during that time. And then some of it's from a record of his that I produced. I produced his last solo record right. to oh, um, instrumental album called uh, Vibrations. Like just an amazing, like awesome pro- project. So we've been rebuilding a rapport for like years, to be honest. Um, he's on most every lasso record and uh it's cool to be a part of his sound now. Um, that's feeling really like positive, like this cool new yeah. part of a, a collaborative cycle to be like in his band now, and it's his chords and his harmonic world, and I'm more just kind of a complimentary part. Oh, that's cool. Structuring the sound around yeah. him. Yeah. And then you guys did an album together too with the uh, Sax Squatch as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. uh, put out a record last year called Tri Magi, um, which is like a three piece um, with me. Yep, Sax Watch and Jordan. It's cool. We're we're actually playing tomorrow, which oh, nice. you know, <laughs> the, you know, the the yeah, yeah, playing the next few nights with Tri Magi around Michigan. So, um. Yeah, it's kind of a group that's like somewhere between electronic music, jazz, and like film scores or something. Um, Man, how, yeah. do you, how do you compartmentalize all of these different things? Because I, I, I mean, from from what I listen to, like you know, I, like I said, the Lasso album, it, it feels like you and like your sound. And we'll talk about this later. You're influenced by Prince, like I hear that. But you know, I listen to the project with Sasquatch and Jordan Hamilton. Obviously, very different from that. You're collaborating with rappers like Spiritual, and then you got a Billy Free and Orlando Chill. It's like all these yeah. different universes. I'm just like, when you're making music, are you trying to compartmentalize like what this is going to be for? Or are you just letting it rip and be like, somebody's gonna get this? Yeah, it's become more of that over the years. Like somebody's gonna get it, but. Usually it's like one or two people at a time. And that's like my world, like thinking about one person, but I'll go back and forth with them. That's been the healthiest thing because I made all these records in probably like three or four years. So like I would be working on one for a few months and it get really far, but then maybe like the artist is going to have to write for a while. And I have a real daily habit with writing and creating. So like, 
in the meantime, I might totally switch up the sound. So right. that's why I can have all these records is like, I'll be really in that place with like the more funk shit or whatever. But then like the singer on that project might need a few months and I'll be kind of like dead with a sound by that point too. Maybe right. I'm making like sending them a pack of 20 beats. They'll maybe write to 10 and then we'll use five or something or three. But like that, while that whole thing's going on, I might just be like, well, I'm going to just make tons of real spaced out shit. That's for an instrumental project. And so it's the balance. It's being able to jump between them that lets right. me do them all because like lately all I've been making is like synth punk music. And like, that's not a new sound to me. There's some of that in my group, small bills. So that's a group I have with this rapper from New York. Elucid. I'm losing my mind. This time, this time I'm losing my, my tongue split. No blood let. I promise myself. I'm gonna stop saying, I don't know when I do it. And so like, that's just so did far just, from what I'm doing. just drop something. We too? dropped something during the pandemic. Okay. Um, Yep, and then he's got a new record, solo record coming out. I got some, I got a beat on. Um, I'm able to do that right now, like synth punk, because like live I'm playing like with a cellist right, or something. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like I need to play like simpler some, music yeah. or write simpler stuff that's more about energy than it is like composition because the composition part of my brain's kind of committed elsewhere. Yeah. Maybe it's just not as complicated as we want to make it seem and that like, right. <laughs> so I think the way you just laid it out there, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this while that's going on live. And then, you know, this thing has a natural sort of stop to it because this person's writing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Andy, you, you stay moving though. That's the difference. It's like you, you said you, you create daily, you know, yeah. and it's like that. I mean, that alone, like, helps you to just have a catalog, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally, like, like the most elemental part of my life, like, making music. Like, it really is my, like, way of life. Like, trying to write, it brings me a lot of, like, joy and stuff, but it's also, like, maddening sometimes, too. But, like, you know, if you just commit, like, I've committed to kind of trying to always be working towards it, so then it is more natural. Like it isn't right. something I'm really thinking of that hard. Right. It's not that I'm deliberate right now saying like synth punk, but it's more just being like, keep up the process and what can keep it going. Cause it's not like I'm just infinitely inspired. I have to like, right. Tr- That's what I'm trick saying. That's myself. the hard part is what yeah, I like, like keep if being you're creating like daily, you know, yeah, it's like, just what's, like, yeah. What inspires you to keep going, you know, after a while. Hearing you give that little monologue about the, the projects you've been working on, I got to believe this this type of thing has not been, has only been possible since maybe mid-2000s, which is a long time, maybe 15 years, but like the ability to have this much collaboration to work in the sort of digital sphere and send like a pack of beats off to this person, work with somebody in New York here, and this idea of like collaboration, I feels to me like is a, a pretty recent thing that, musicians can do more freely yeah i don't know is that true or not certainly easier yeah Yeah. like i feel like i've always been like mostly a collaborator i like don't have solo projects like the solo projects have like 10 people on them so (laughs) and even back when i was younger like i was always in band someone uh, like be a keyboard player in one person's band like a guitarist in another band and maybe have my own thing um so it was more like in person, but yeah, now it's like, it's so, and then right. the pandemic, I think made yeah. it all the more like 
just force yeah it's funny a modern day brian eno yeah he's definitely one of my inspirations like i've always been drawn to people who are less artists and more of these like um they do a, a lot of stuff and yeah yeah they keep trying different things with like music yeah yeah beautiful man i love it i wish i could i know it's very exciting to me <laughs> yeah it's it's good I'm getting, to have I'm, getting, I'm getting like stoked hearing you talk about it i'm oh, like cool, hyping yeah. myself up now like yeah maybe i could create every day no <laughs> no i think it's like a lot like exercise that's what i always right. say to people who are, like it's really no different than having that habit because like you know it's hard the buy-in is hard like just like it is to start going to a gym and then to right, like yeah actually get results and stuff but do you like always it, stick with what you have i think as as an artist and i'm sure multiple musicians will probably feel the same way we're like you're working on something for two hours two and a half three and then you're like i'm not really feeling this anymore you know and then it's like that idea is just scratch you seem like the type of dude who'd be like this is like a puzzle to you and you're gonna like keep going it, do you have that or do you sometimes just be like i give up well I have a lot of runoff, like most of my, it's funny, like I put out a lot of records, but only like, that's like 10% or 20% of what I'm making. Cause it's like all about batting averages for me. Cause my whole process, like any record you hear, probably most of the instruments or the majority of it was made in like two or three hours. So I'm going to like, I like write and record at the same time. Like I'm not nice. ever like having a session where it's like. I already wrote something like I'm always just throwing shit out. And so sometimes it's like in a three hour session, I'll be like, get a full, like crazy diet. What'll seem really complicated other days. It's like, ah, I make a couple things. They're not that special. And right. so like, yeah, it's really this batting average thing. And the harder part for me than having just, cause it's fun to play instruments. If you play instruments, it's, you always want to kind of play, but I've had to really get good at the, not getting discouraged part because like if you make a lot of music you're gonna make a lot of just like okay music right, right, but you course, find yeah. it like p pays dividends in the weirdest ways sometimes like years down the line oh, yeah, of course yeah so uh, that's the thing i've gotten better at and why i've gotten more productive is like i'm less discouraged by like a bad day it's just kind of like all right whatever Stay in the office yeah, yeah. like you yeah, just yeah. forget about those yeah. like and my music comes out so far after I make it. It's often like a year after I've made that. So you also just kind of, I've gotten used to the like, hey, the special things happen when they do, but you got to like live the lifestyle to get to those parts. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Just like thinking as you're talking, I think there's people on two sides of the fence, the people that have like a, a singular project in mind whether it's a band or a solo project. And then there's people that love collaborating like yourself. It's like, I just want to work mm -hmm. with a lot of different people, put a lot of different creative ideas out there. Um, I don't, neither is right nor wrong. It's just different sort of personalities. Yeah. I'm usually working with people who it's like, they're kind of like, it's their project. Right. Like I get kind of to be in a lot Playing of people. Playing that role has got to be fun. Totally. Yeah. Like I definitely get to deal with like a really like deep, um like heavy or like element like core parts of the people i work with like it's usually a big i mean instrumental music can be a little bit different but the vocalists and the writers i work with i love that part of it mm -hmm. that's what it feels like whenever i listen to any of those projects like especially when i listen to uh probably you and spiritual man i really like 
yeah. that last project y'all put out. But y'all, y'all really feel in, in sync. You know what I mean? Totally. Even when I see the videos and things like that, like the vibe, and you just yeah. kind of wandering, wandering around. Yeah. Stuff. Y'all are very uh, in sync. It feels like. Cool. You know? Yeah, that one was all made in like a moment too. He actually flew out. So like that, I say I got that two to three hour per track process. Like he sat with me when we made that whole album and wrote. So by the see, end of the three hours, yeah. the vocals were done. So that whole album was cut in probably like four or five days written and cut. So like every track I've made during those five days, he wrote a song to, and then we just picked the best ones because he sat there. That's like my favorite kind yeah. of recording. That's He's the only one I've ever been able to do it with. That's cool. Because it, it does take like time and just to be like, this is it. Like we're going to wake up every day and record all day right. and yeah. like just finish tracks and not worry about how good they are. Like the same thing I do with beats, both of a person. So Dope. It, it comes off that way as like friends. Yeah. I like, like yeah, for love sure. that. That project's got this uniqueness because it was like we made it just in a room hanging out. That's cool. I wandered upon this song, uh, Jimmy. Uh, I think probably just because I listened to you and it got like recommended and I uh, just saw that and I was like, oh, this is Andy. What? Like, dude. So, Jimmy, man, when I heard that, come on, you got you to gotta throw a little snippet in there. But, uh, Masculine and feminine. Stay on track no matter the key you went. We got new portals in the cave, man. Fire out of thin air, I'm a caveman. Uh, Rope up it like leg, man. So well to see him full the tech station. And dad, a mystery in the making. Good fella, Joe Pesci. Yeah, that album's good. What's the name of the album? Um, Curlian. Curlian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guitar on that album. There too. is. You it's know, mostly like me playing a looping myself, playing a drum kit, bass guitar, and then like. I had a Roland JC50, so a really chorusy amp. So there's a lot of like chorusy guitar. Yeah, that's sweet. And y'all yeah. just did that all. Yeah, together. we did it all that's together. Cool. Yeah, he was in the room the whole time, and it was done so fast because yeah. of that. Like in terms of overall hours, it was the fastest album I've ever done, and not because we didn't work hard. It was just like y'all were really strong. Yeah, just yeah. time was of the essence, and you yeah. guys are just feeling it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think but me it and took, Scott imagine doing that someday. <laughs> it took years of us being friends, though. Let me say that, too. It's not just like, oh. Two random people hey, in the you're, room. Yeah. yeah. I actually met Mike when he was 16 or okay. 17, and I was in my late 20s, which is talk about music being cool. Like, there's one point where I was working with someone like a decade older and a decade younger. Yeah, so I just keep, this is so funny to say, but he's like, so he would have been like 16 or 17, and I'm not joking, his first album had like 150 songs. And I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, who's this high schooler just dropped like a, like just the pure, like sheer number. And he, yeah. then he was like putting out projects a lot too. So it wasn't just like he hoarded some stuff. Somebody like he's just, he was, yeah. I knew he could record with me that way. Cause I right. was like, oh, this dude's kind of like me just recording a ton. So it took quite a few years after just being homies and respecting each other man that's what's up we gotta we gotta talk about you though we gotta talk about this album and then we're gonna roll into our our topic here we're talking a lot about collaboration uh hint hint there foreshadowing but uh but i want to ask you about 2121 because i've hyped it up i feel like a lot on here and um one of the things i love about it obviously is like some of those drums man really give me that that lynn drum machine that prince vibe you know and then the collaborators too you know with um her name rachel eve you know she's really really cool on the tracks fit with your music a lot you know like you said jordan hamilton was on there i feel like it's it's weird like when i listen to that album it's like i don't really notice 
the cello into like certain parts you know what i mean it's like he he's there serving a purpose and everybody there you know yeah. so it's just like seems like one big party but man the vibe on that is just like great so i just kind of wanted to hear the backstory on how that just came to be appreciate you like just digging good production yeah yeah that production was that was like the a big album for me in terms of just like really willing it like like there's so many people on that record right and, yeah uh, the organizational process of it was just the inverse of like what i was saying was spiritual like yeah. all this stuff happened in a moment because it would be like i'd write a beat all right, pick a beat that I like fit this aesthetic I was coming up with, which was like something between Prince or P-Funk's more like drum machine based music. And then like, and like Detroit techno. I love like yeah, early, early 80s shit that's not like 280s pop, more just like electro boogie. I like love all those sounds, but I wanted to make it like hit kind of like a beat maker or something. Um so it's like you make a track that you're like, oh, this could be for this album, but then I wanted to have all these vocalists, so that was so much like sending it to people, and then maybe they'd send back a verse or a hook, but not a full song. Right. So it was this like dishing the track, like I get Cobbling a part. It together. <laughs> yeah, there'd be these parts of that album where there's like all these people who weren't in the same place, but I was blending them into a harmony and. And then, like, I brought in musicians, too, to kind of, like, the process of that was most of those tracks are me playing all the bass, drums, keyboards. Same process I'm using, like, making them pretty fast. Then I would add all the vocals, and then I would add, like, the horns and strings at the end as kind of this musical way to, like, tie the whole thing right. together. Um, so it took, like, a whole... It probably took, like, eight months to make that record. It was, like, definitely slow. And a lot of, like, songs I wouldn't open for a while. And I'd get, oh, have a day where I'd be like, holy shit, there's stems <laughs> from Fat Tony. Or, um, <laughs> I want to see that live. Uh, oh, that logic. Are logic. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> you like, get these days and you're like, what's it going to be? Because, yeah. like, I was not dictating too much the thematic. Like the lyrical parts, it's funny. That whole album, I would send the same sentence to everyone for every song. Like, because people would be like, well, what do you want the song to be about? What'd you say? Instead of, I can't quite remember. Like, it yeah, was a long, long, it was like, it wasn't that important as much as like, I just am not a huge lyricist. Like, yeah. I don't think in terms of song ideas. So I was like, well, if there's going to be tons of people. I'm at least going to give this same like sentence to everyone. So there's some cohesion. But the label I'm on, they had just asked me. I was going to say, like, was make, that your first thing on Mellow Music or had you done stuff with them I've been doing stuff with them for a couple of years, but they had been like, hey, we want you to do a project that has a lot of like a producer compilation, they call it, which in them being a more traditional like hip hop label or I don't want to say traditional, but they just most of the artists on that are beat makers or um, like rappers kind of like mm -hmm. it's less of a musician thing um 
So I thought they think they thought more of like someone's gonna like get a verse from a bunch of different people, but I just made it way more complicated. <laughs> it was like, no, it's gonna be a funk as we like to epic. do. So uh, it was definitely like I've always, like I said, had these lanes I'm juggling, and like the funk one was really important to me to like kind of have a voice before I just put out funk music. Right. Like, so it took me uh, like quite a number of years of straight up driving around these couple of years I lived in Detroit and I would like stay up later than my, I was married at the time. And, uh, I just had generally had a later like schedule than my, my partner at that time. So like I would stay up with this artist motor cam and just like drive around Honestly, and like talk for years about like funk and listen. And I really tried to like think about it actually for a while. So that one, like I said, it kind of came, no, you I, like, I haven't done it necessarily done any. The Billy f- album is kind of the next in my strand of trying some funk stuff, but certainly 2121 was more like focused on Man, it. I feel, I, you know, I mean, I'm a funk guy. I feel like, if, if anything, you know, I listen to all types of music, but obviously, funk would be my thing. And I think that's why, like, when I heard your album, like, I connected with it so much, man. Like, that vibe is there, but you definitely added enough, like, uh, individuality to it where it, like, just wasn't just straight-up funk, you know? You had your own thing going on, your own vibe, man. And then, too, you know, you talked about lyrics, and I'd be curious to know what that sentence is because across the board with uh, maybe not all the songs, but a lot of them are very, like, uh, like I don't know what the word is. I'm not going to say, like, political-driven, but, you know, very very conscious-minded of, like, kind of what's happening in the world, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's funny that, like, Quite a few of them, those songs were done prior to COVID. Right, yeah. It really or like those like first it was few about months, and then yeah. it like happened. Then yep. COVID hit, yep. and like the album got slowed down, and I got made more tracks. So then it kind of was like, well, this is all like ending up to be re- relevant. And I just think yeah, that's crazy it wasn't that you could that, collaborate with so many different artists, yeah. and all of their verses that they were sending you were all around. Well, but don't you that think? That, like, well, that's they the, were thinking about those same things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. and true, like true. I said, I yeah. hit them with mind. and I yeah. hit them with a sentence that like, was open to that. It could be political or social. I think the idea I kind of hit people with was like, um, you know, like you're going somewhere new with like people you have like deep roots with and like you have that pain or experience, but like you're maybe going to be somewhere better after it. It was something really vague like that. Like that was more just about like sort of like transformation or something. Man, they all understood the assignment as the kids say. People came, came with it. They like took that, like went with it. So Dope, man. I, I feel like that's a good segue to what we've been talking about. I feel like we've been creeping into our first subject, like all <laughs> around here, yeah. your bio here. So uh, for this first thing we want to talk about, just simply what makes for a good collaboration um, with other artists? And obviously we've talked about this a lot, but um, maybe let's talk about just some general artists and general uh, musicians that, you know. I have uh, like a we, quick like. Yeah. As I was thinking about this topic and I was trying to determine like what made a collaboration and I started like creating like these different categories in my head. Part of it, one of the thing was, is like, is like a guest artist, a collaboration, like on a track? I would say so. Yeah. 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 So it's like if you came in and like 
played a guitar solo, you're collaborating, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah there's yeah. like a conti- continuum, right? But yeah. then I think of like the producer as like the collaborator, like a, a Rick Rubin, or I think of like a George Clinton um, working yeah. with the Chili Peppers. Like that's collaboration as well, but a completely different. Yeah, it's just a different level. relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, like has their hands more in the whole, in the project rather than coming on and singing a verse or you know. I feel like to me, I was like, there's these two ends of a spectrum. They're both collaboration. And I think they're both really interesting. Um, I think that's and maybe we can dive into both. I was going to say, yeah. I think that's kind of where we're going to dive into where, you know, like George, Clinton, you think about George Clinton and Chili Peppers, you know, I like, as far as I know with that album, it was just him producing it. Like he wasn't bringing in artists or he wasn't playing on it. You know, but you it's don't think he like, was giving his like, I mean, that's what a producer does when you bring in George Clinton, you're not just bringing him into like, but I'm saying he's not pushing faders or like, <laughs> he's like, no, you got to get the horn section here. We got to get more nasty, more raw. We got to like push the energy or group vocals. Like that. And which was, one did he produce? Mother's milk or one of the no, early ones? It was before at freaky style. Freaky oh, style. cool. Yeah. yeah. Th- that record sounds that right it, now, it sounds not, like we're not even supposed to be talking about this band. We, Cut it out the first, the, literally the first episode of now season finale. Okay, we come full circle back to talking about them. We are the Dude, they're we're all they're Midwest legends. It, like people love them out this way. It's always. I went. I thought it was okay because I went through them through like George Clinton. Yeah, okay, I mentioned right. George Clinton. Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. We're all right we'll let fuck. it slide. Yeah, we can back up. I'm just well. There's other like producers that like have their hands on like the sound of an album. Definitely, yeah, and like I also think then there's like everything let's say post like especially like public enemy till now with like the producer and hip hop where it's more of this like they handle they like build a universe with a sound the sound part and then there's like the vocalists yeah and like that became this real common mode of collaboration i think that's the most common these days like yeah in 2022 like collaboration i think often means like someone's making an instrumental and then someone's adding vocals yeah, to it, right. like which is funny because it's really like far from, I don't know, like it does. There's an element of that that was there back at the beginning of recording, which was like, you know, you had the songwriter. Yeah. Motown had like a songwriter, then they had the band who cut the instrumental, the, yeah, and then the vocalists were right, yeah. put to yeah, it. Muscle but, Shoals, yeah, yeah, the wrecking. But they're crew. still like a little more song based. Like those in all of those situations, yeah. someone wrote it first. These days, there's a lot more of that like collaboration in terms of like someone's got the sound and then there's a vocalist who wants to be a part of that sound right. I mean, or the sound it, enhances yeah. that i mean that's how public enemy was i mean that's that collaboration is crazy you think about the bomb squad that they had which is totally. different producers producing beats and then you got chuck d who's got his thing and you got flavor flave over here it was like I, sometimes it's just crazy to me how people see the puzzle pieces but i feel like in music like you just know you know when you have this thing or when you collaborate with somebody or whatever whatever vibe you're picking up from them you know it's like chuck d and flavor Flav. if anybody like just put them there and you didn't know about them and you're like these two are gonna work out people would be like right. that that doesn't make sense to yeah, us but yeah yes. or like you someone's got something you need to like express yeah. yourself exactly. so like with That's public I mean. enemy it's like chuck d and especially like flavor flavor in terms of en- energy they had like message and an energy and then they like here's these dudes in the bomb squad who were like 
you know, had a shit new techniques, which made it political, like new musical techniques, like these short, heavy, fucked up samples yeah. they were taking, and the bom- and the drums just like smashed, and it was like, it like you know, like up. you you couldn't have necessarily had Chuck D rapping over the more like maybe like a like run DMC yeah or either. Q-tip yeah. talking about like yeah a little bit later there it's like they really needed that like raw thing so right. like a lot of times I think collaboration regardless of genre is like there's this need to like for other voices to like kind of get you to like this thing you're seeing or hearing in your yeah. head the clue to you to push the back the black attack so I sack and tap and slap the mac now I'm ready to mic it and like that's it's often not, what's yeah. driving it is like or the best collaborations are like the people need each other to get them well, to the place they're going yeah. you know like, i feel like you know not to tangent too much by ourselves but scott i feel like that's how you were for me you know just like making funk music before that and it's like I could play bass, but like you, you had the sound. It's like I play a bass line. I'm like, oh yeah, you played it the way that I wanted it to sound. Like cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, and you're engineering and shit too. Like yeah, you're, yeah. so exactly. it's like you kind of have to have these roles where it's like you What's want a, want these. Like, like it's like an offense yeah. in basketball or something. Yeah. Like yeah, but how do you make it work though? You know, I've, I'm trying to think of like bad collaborations, which I don't even know if that's a thing or not. I'm like sure Metallica and Lou Reed. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, Lou. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of raw. Yeah. But actually, people kind of love that. It's, it's that, had like yeah. a good like yeah. renaissance. I want you on the floor and in a coffin, your soul shaking. I want to have you downing every meaning you've amassed, like a fortune. Oh, throw it away, but worship someone who actively despises you. I shouldn't have said that was bad. You know, but I'm, there are bad collaborations, but it's like I don't focus on music I don't like too much. But yeah. like when it works less is usually like, I think like when an artist maybe wants a sound because it's hot, but maybe they're not like yeah. fitting with it right. or something right. like it was that. It all forced. Yeah, I I think like oh, you guys don't want to talk about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm <laughs> not even do it. Just like, do it. It's like, the season finale. We like, can do it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> say what I don't. I'm not like I'm not up on that band. Just, but there was an era where like they were huge to me. But like for my favorite record of theirs would be like Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It's this full vision like what they needed at that time. They had a, the musicians to like get it. Where like Stadium Arcadium, that was the last one I was really around for. It was kind of, to me, it was a little bit more like the times were of, the era was asking them like to be, be something. Right. And yeah. they like had an idea of who, you know, it was like stretched or something in this way that was less natural. I know people love that album, the production quality right. is really no, a thing. Actually, but it's a little. <laughs> I dissed it on the first episode. Okay, that it's, point, it's the least natural. Like, it's like somebody's yeah. like, we need another big Chili Peppers right. album, but we yep. need it to be a little bit more this or that. Right. And so it's like. It was a little cooked. It, yeah, it's a little like totally. Someone yeah. wrote the recipe instead right. of it kind of developing well, out of. Yeah energy or excitement because blood sugar was like this is our we found our sound and now stadium arcadium are like okay we just need to like take that sound to the radios yeah and they you know, were older like and they older. were so big so, at that yeah, point yeah 
Um, you were talking about Lou Reed and one album that um, I had to, I, I went through multiple times. I'm in this little, it's sort of like a book club for records. Sweet. Bunch that's a great our, idea. Yeah, yeah. We did um, Gorilla's Plastic Beach. Um, my favorites. Lou Reed is on, um, trying to think of the name of the track. I'll put it in here. Protected girls from the spiritual poison. You spell at night like phony clothes, but I really like my some kind of nature. Some kind of nature. Some kind of soul. The whole album has a ton of uh, most, collaborations. Most Deaf, Bobby Womack. Bobby Womack, uh, you got, you got La, Snoop Dogg. Soul, Soul, Snoop Dogg. Like yeah. that track list of guest list is yeah, just yeah. crazy. And it's like you said, it's like you can have Damon Albarn produce the whole thing, but like the thing doesn't come to life until the rest of the people come on and collaborate. And then it sort of kind of jumps off the record. You know, yeah. they, they needed each other sort of to to make and, that music you know it's like catching a person at the right time like for me i'm a huge bobby womack fan like i love that soul if you think you're lonely now so bobby womack was like always like a soulful singer and when i heard the um the song and they said it's bobby womack i'm like that's not bobby womack yeah. is it and it was but he was older and his voice and his love was like if it's love Electric. But you know, it's like they got him at the right time in his career for him to mash up with them. And then it's like you think of him as like this old soulful dude. And then like in his later career, he's making these, you know, these yeah. songs like yeah. that with, with the gorillas. So it's just like Damon, you know, understanding too of like an artist and where they're at in their life and to match that up right. with the record too. Yeah. I thought to the same extent, the uh, Random Excess Memories album yeah. sort of has a, a sort of a similar vibe to that. And it's just like, and I, maybe I feel like the the 2000s was like a time for that. I just like these like big albums that had like sort of pop, hip hop. You don't think rock, like the 90s electronica. were? I don't know. I feel like the 2000s were right for this this sort of very diverse sound. When did Random Access Memories come out? 2014, 15. Yeah. Okay, so it's a little bit later than I'm thinking. Now I feel that like music changed so much. Like come 2010 and like production methods became more similar regardless of genre like think about like yeah like the gorilla when like the gorillas gnarls barkley, barkley and like um black eyed peas maybe even to a yeah, certain extent and the then roots. like totally there was all this kind of stuff happening that it's like the genres were different but like the production method had this like fusion thing and can we blame rap rock maybe <laughs> blame Limp yeah. biscuit let's bring it back like to something Limp like biscuit. a lincoln park like Mm, sort of fusing. Oh yeah, right. They did the and record. J with Jay-Z. And Jay Z did yeah. the record with Lincoln Park. People, that yeah. record's huge. People. I'm is. a little like too old for like it right. didn't hit me. But like when I, I've met a lot of younger artists who that was really like influential to them. So that. like yeah, that would have been like yeah. high school for me. And people loved that. And yeah. Get him, Jay. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking. Yep. Yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah. yeah. Hear me rappers like hand G rapping is prime. I'm young H.O. Raps grateful dead. Back to take over the globe. Now break bread. I'm in Boeing Jets, Global Express. Out the country, but the blueberry still connect. I, I was a huge Jay Z fan, but I wasn't a big rock fan at that time. So I was like really right. not digging that. There's yeah, something about that that opened things up. Yeah, yeah. it really did though. Yeah. That kind of music's really relevant right now with the like emo trap yeah kind of intersections going on there's like a lot of people who i think they heard a lot of like 
heavy early 2000s music when they were like that like in the way that like the Chili Peppers were this huge yeah, band when I was a kid because I'm a yeah. 90s kid but right. yeah like the preteen kids who like were hit with Linkin Park through and all the pop punk kind of stuff like you hear it right now in their music as I still people stand. in their mid 20s when you're like in fifth grade you're the most impressionable fifth like maybe like fourth to seventh like grade. 10 years old yeah you're kind of right it's like you're just getting fed and like you haven't like established who you are, but you're just like filling your brain with things. I think at that age, you kind of start to understand things. You know what I mean? Like you, you're hearing the music and you're taking in like what it feels like for you. But when you're like five, six, you hear music and it's just kind of like either I'm happy and I like this. Passes or over I don't like you, it. Yeah. yeah, but at that age, you start to really take it in of yeah, how yeah. you feel about it. Yeah. Um, other ideas of collaboration that I feel like this is making my head spin to a certain degree. I don't know. It's just like uh-huh. collaboration in music is like just so key. As you start to like think about it more, it's like who the hell has created music without literally one other hand involved with something? You know, Prince yeah. will say, yeah, but I mean, he's definitely had help <laughs> more than he puts on. Yeah. But we'll go to that later. One thing like I think about with it is like, like we all love like music and you can listen to it. We can make it and stuff. But like, for me, there's like the energy, a lot of the energy of it, of it being like a day, an activity that like now for like, you know, 20 years of my life, like all I've really cared about is like making music. And it's like the collaboration is actually what gives you like something to do, mm, you yeah. know, like you can practice your mu- instrument a lot, but like the life of it is like driven by the collaborative part. Like if Very it's true. just you, like, you know, like you got to be, yeah, obviously most musicians are really down with being by themselves because we got a woodshed and stuff and you got to have something to bring. But it's like the collaborations, what pulls me when I look back at the last 20 years of my life, like why I'm still making music, still having new opportunities is like when you jump into that creative space with someone else, you know, it starts to fill up your days and your weeks. Like you guys were, I was asking before we're on, it's like seven years you got, you've had a, your project and you've been a part of it now for a bunch of it. It's like, yeah, that's like what you write a story of a life about is like, right. I was yeah. making these things with, right. th- with yeah. these people. We did the, this together. We did this together. Like, yeah. Shared experience. And like the mm-hmm. sound and the records are a part of that, that like lives on. But a big part of it actually is the collaboration. Like it's the reason there's like things to do. Like I had a slow, like this winter I was mostly just like producing, but then it was like, I joined up with Jordan to be part of his live thing. And was like, Oh, all of a sudden now I got months of stuff to do. And it's like that collaborative element. If it's just me on my own, it would have been like, Oh, well, I'm making music, but it's not really, there's not that much to st- say. Right. I'm in a room. Yeah. yeah. Playing. It's the collaborative parts that when people are like, what are you doing lately? It's like, I'm playing with this cellist, right, right, you know, yeah. and it gives me this momentum. It's the life force part of it to me. It's why, like, keeps the mo, yeah, keeps it thrusting forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Something else I was thinking about the collaboration is when I think of when I was jotting down songs, going back to like a young preteen, and like, we've talked a lot about music exposure a couple, you know, podcasts ago. And for me, like collaboration exposed me to other musicians. And I feel like 
you're oh, probably yeah. doing that for sure. Like, you know, when you collaborate with somebody, exposes a listener to somebody else, and like that tree, that family, like creates exposure, which is awesome. So I was thinking of a few tracks. Um, I'll go back to the '90s because that's the only well, well I can pull from <laughs> a song like uh, from the Wallflowers. Sixth uh, Avenue Heartache has Adam Duritz from County Crows singing on it. Just like me. I think I it was big because Conan Crows were big before Wallflowers and like I remember that and there's like this leap. Okay, and now I can listen to Wallflowers because there's like this like similarity. Another track would be like Rage Against the Machine doing Know Your Enemy with uh, James Keenan um, singing vocals during the bridge. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go listen to Tool now because mm-hmm. like that's yeah. cool. You know, there's these little guest appearances. Like, okay, now I have to go listen to that that band. I have to go check yeah. that out. Go check that out. I think that's a cool part of collaboration. Same thing with like doing a cover song. We talked about that one episode. Yeah, yeah. It creates this exposure to go check out other things. Man, that that tree thing is just like pretty crazy. It's just like every artist is obviously individual and doing their own thing. But man, when you can kind of branch off, when you start with somebody and and typically, I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is the case because I started checking out spirituals music after listening to what you guys did, you know, and it's like it's a different vibe. But it's like, oh, I still like this vibe. You know what I mean? So even now, when you discover that new artist from this artist is like you're opening up yourself to a whole nother even right. world of yeah. this different type of genre or music or different things you didn't know about yeah yeah that's yeah that's it's a cool nature of collaboration is it turns you on to other things definitely and the like yeah the the the, the tree thing I, it made, that made me right away think of like what happened with jazz music between like the 40s and the 70s it's like every record becomes this crazy stream when you look at like the players across that like you know this drummer would have an error with this trumpet player etc and you like that that history has always really fascinated me and then that part of it because you like you hear a drummer on some shit and you're like I'm all about this or like R.I.P. like Chick Corea or something yeah. passed away recently, but like I've just been checking out different stuff, and you can like connect him to like so many eras of of jazz, and there's a lot of dudes like that, and I like that part of that, yeah. about it, and like it's such a it's such a listening intensive genre, yeah. like jazz, and takes some focus to get like so, the most out of it, but it's usually like when I really like a player that I can kind of, I actually start to put it in rotation because like, I can't just listen to like bebop. I more need to like find the melodic tracks in yeah. someone's discography. So I'm always jumping around via what you're saying. Just kind of that. Yeah. I only ever heard this cat cause uh, right. he played with this person here. I mean, you and I were talking Jocko playing yeah, with Pat, right. uh, uh, Johnny Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, talk, like. talk about a great class. I'm really into the Don Juan's Reckless Daughter oh, album. Yeah. So it's yeah. just great. It's like, talk about like tying two worlds together. The folk yeah. world, jazz, like crazy jazz, fusion jazz. See all the shiny people dancing to it. Anytime you go to Cotton Avenue. If 
And the one prior. What's yeah. the one prior? You no, were talking about it earlier. Hajira? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. But it's Which just, is like, I remember listening to that for the, for the first time, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, it's like two worlds collide. But it's like, man, it's you cool, think, though. if you hear Joni pre that, like, you know, you think about like Blue or anything right. like that, and then it's like, you know, Jocko as a bass player, it's like, hey, those two were meant to like get together at yeah. some point. Like, some that just point. makes sense, right. you know? Yeah, so special. Yeah. And such a weird, like, they like, it sounds, those records sound so particular. Yeah, like, she's do. the most particular, like, songwriter. Like, no one can write like her no. and no one can play yeah. like him. So it's like, yeah, that's it kind of makes a lot it. of sense. They have such yeah. strong voices. Yes. Like, yeah. There you go. Very cool. Yeah, love that. That's a great collaborative thing. And, like, yeah, they kind of, like, touch together for a moment and then you know, move their separate ways. Yeah. And there's like a lot of, it's like tons of that throughout music history. Yeah. You're like, I can't believe these two. Like the Venn like, diagrams cross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I'm a big Motown fan. And like the more you read about Motown, you're like, fuck man, like this was going on there Motown too. Is crazy. Yeah. I think yeah. like, uh, you know, shout out Grand Rapids, the DeBarges, man. You know, oh, yeah. like uh, you find out of like, obviously one of them was married to Janet Jackson, but you just find out how much those families are crossing paths, you know. They're from Grand music. Rapids, the DeBarges? Yeah, you didn't know that? I didn't yeah, know that. I just, I associate right them with like, um, like the Midwest and stuff just because of the sound yeah. of their... They're right dude, from here, yeah. But uh, you just think on. about... Yeah, you just think about those two, man. Like Motown just had like little DeBarges and then like the Jackson 5, you know. It was cool when I went to, uh, what do you call it, a Motown Museum and they were just sharing a lot of stories and uh, they were sharing a story about how like Stevie Wonder would always like bust into Marvin Gaye sessions and and like kind of, you know, he was a little kid at the time. Though. You know, he's like little Stevie, you know, and just kind of like kicking back, taking notes, you know, like kind of getting experience. And it's just kind of like so weird to think about all these, you know, of what he became and like what Marvin Gaye is and just like all these different things where it's like they might not have been alive or I mean like collaborating during the same time, but it's like it was just as important for her him to be in that atmosphere when that was happening. Yeah. That's like when Billy Preston just walks in and starts playing with, with the Beatles. The Beatles. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a good collaboration. Just yeah. like that just makes those songs pop. Yeah, that was the coolest part of that that was footage yeah. they put out. Like yeah. him getting more comfortable to like play out and whatever those couple tracks he's yeah. on. the great part with music and collaboration you know it's just like i talk about this all the time and you know i'm not i'm not like like religious or anything but i feel like i am very spiritual and like believe in certain things happening the way they need to in music with collaboration and artists sometimes it just really feels that way where it's just like how in the heck did this come to be you know it's just like it's meant to be sometimes in music i feel like yeah and like but like collaboration of like listeners and shit too because we need like people to hear our stuff (laughs) yeah and like we've been a part of audiences and had big moments too where like as a listener 
So you get the, you know, you get that collective thing. It's about being with like a bunch right. of people yeah. in a room. Like, fuck it, I'll bring them up again. I must have saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> we have a way Here of doing Van- that to people. It's funny. I like never talk about that band, but they were they were omnipresent in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, and like. I was just starting to like really shred on guitar and they came to Van Andel Arena and the bill was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Queens of the Stone Age and Mars Volta. Oh, as a guitar bill. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like one of those things where like I I had been to concerts, but never one that was like, oh, this is kind of for the age I was like. And it was about like experiencing it with my friends and like strangers and we're all like. And like that's why they're out playing because they want people yeah. to like feel their music and like that part of it's pretty amazing like um, the collective like emotive emotional thing yeah. that like happens with a, a group of people listening to a group of musicians. That's well, a cool. Way to and think. that's yeah. I think about like you're talking about like sharing experiencing. I think that's you know we we can go back to the the mixtape and passing that around to the mix CD and now people sharing playlists on Spotify or chat groups where they're throwing music around to each other. Like it's the, the nature of how music spreads is through collaboration, you know, experiential and, you know, turning people on. I think it's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the defining part of like people's catalogs is like who was playing with them when or something. That's a lot about how we talk about like, yeah. Yeah. Like Marvin Gaye, when he was, Playing with like Motown cats when it was less free versus when he started to kind of got to lead the band or like who was George Clinton when it was this era versus this era and I I was gonna yeah like I was gonna just jump to Prince because we were gonna talk about him but it's like a big part of like talking about Prince is like despite him being such a solo person it was like who was he with and what eras because he he did. there was always like some people around oh, always, and it really yeah. defined what it was. Well, uh, I feel like this is a good way to segue into our next topic. So we should do that, right? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so Prince, we are on the subject of Prince and we're talking about collaboration, which is uh, something that is huge for Prince, even though uh, if you look at a lot of things, it'll say produced by, directed by, whatever, by Prince. But obviously if anybody who's a huge Prince fan knows uh you know, about Wendy and Lisa in the early days and the revolution and, and what they did for that. And then, uh, you know, you were talking about just we, we were talking about Prince. So we should mention we let, let's let's start. Let's reset here. Andy and I are huge Prince fans. Love Prince. Talk about him for for hours. Scott, I'll let you talk about no. your relationship. <laughs> it's, it's extremely limited. I'm, I'm an admirer, an appreciator, but I just don't know the music very well. And some music I will say literally turns me off. So no, and I could yeah. definitely see that. I think he's one of those artists who tries to turn you off sometimes. Yeah. He's, he's like the biggest cult musician of all time. I that's think what that's someone yeah. said to me. Dang, it's like, that is very like, true. Yeah. But that's respectable though. Like I feel like my favorite bands also do that to the listeners too. So I'm like, I think that is also something that should be celebrated. Not, um, yeah, you know, Quest cut down. Yeah, Quest talks a lot about Prince and the one thing that he talks about. And I mean, a lot of artists do this, I guess. I never noticed that they have the big album and then the next album is like, screw you. Here we, here we go. Right. <laughs> and right. you know, Prince had Purple Raid and then came out with Around the World in the Day afterwards, which still had Raspberry Beret as a hit, but as a album, you know, it was very much like 
I feel like some of like, like Animal like Collective sort of did that too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yep. That just mm-hmm. popped into my head. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're going to like branch out to get a bunch of listeners and, and then come right back to like yeah. our core, core listeners. Yeah. Prince kind of did that his whole career. Like it For would real. be like, there like will be some eras that have these like couple albums but for the most part, it was this like constant like follow up. A thing that usually like when it got his career got momentum in different eras, like <laughs> he would tend to like take pretty huge left turns, sort of toying yeah. with the audience. You yeah, know, Scott, just the- like kind of furthering the like cult thing, where yeah. it's like the core fan base gets stronger and like more appreciative of the extensions, but like the casual listeners drop off. Yeah. Probably in the same way some of the jam bands have done. I was I was, I was just about say. to yeah, I was yeah. about to compare it, you know, as I think, you know, about Prince and one thing that I that I like about him is just like there's these different eras and these different phases and these different things. And I think Prince is very uh like uh he 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 knows that. Like he's doing it intentionally, you know. And when you think about fish and things like that and, and what I've discovered from him is like they definitely have those two or these there's these uh these tier tours, you know what I mean? Like the Madison Square Garden and like the Bakers does and was it Baker's dozen, you know, and like these experiences, you know, like I think Prince is an artist and jam bands are at least fish, you know, the, the big thing about them for their fan base is like they create experiences, you know? I mean, I would also throw like Funkadelic into that mix, Parliament and Funkadelic, like they'll make some really pop stuff and then some crazy stuff, you know, just Definitely. like keep the listeners on their toes. Do you think, would you call Prince, this can be a stretch, psychedelic? At times he can be. Yeah, it's I mean, a pretty psychedelic career and I'm, like life and yeah. stuff that he lived, like very surreal. Surreal, like, like, yeah. There you go. There's even I, surreal moments when people tell stories, like famous people tell yeah, stories of things. Yeah, he definitely the the like weird the appreciation of his eccentricities is yes. like one thing, but also it's just kind of like anyone who kind of like that's like all of everyone's dream is music is like you start making music and then like people love it and like you live this life of it. And like, he really had the sort of like surreal dream musician life of like, he had a record deal by the time he was 18. Like he just felt it and like actualized it. So it's really weird when you, I've gone out to Minneapolis and like, just like checked out some prints, different places from throughout his life. And you're like, it's just kind of a weird, like a dude right. from Minneapolis it's got so like global, <laughs> globally like famous. It's really like a yeah. particular story. So I think, think it's psychedelic in that way. Like yeah. his music and he took it so many places. There's so much weird, obscure parts of his discography. Do you feel like they fall into like the story of themselves? Like it's this, I was just listening to like a weird side tangent, like sports radio this morning about like, I just I feel like some athletes are also starting to do that to get into like their own egos and have these weird personality breakdowns or I don't know like I just feel like there's this like cult of ego that starts to take over and you fall into this dreamland of yourself and that like takes your career elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I guess the similarity would be like like LeBron is kind of like what I'm talking about with Prince, where it's like, yo, he went from right high, high school, school he felt it, like yeah. he felt the like right. I'm gonna be one of the greatest. So like and those never, dudes, like and if they you never do, faulted under the pressure. It's like they you, believed what they were and did it. And like you might say some made that some stuff weird ass decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they're also like the greatest to do the thing they've ever done, and they're doing these things that so many so many people play music, but right. so few people have ascended to like the 
the levels that right. Prince has in terms of his like deepness of his connection. Same with like LeBron or something. They're like students of their game. So like, yeah, they become these celebrities and that's going to lead you like fame is a weird thing. So like Prince's career, definitely it would have been crazy to think where he would have gone if he did, if, if like alive. purple rain. Yeah. Whether he's still alive or if purple rain doesn't happen or something, because like, yeah, that was the a influence phenomenon. of like phenomenon, whether it's athletes or someone like Prince or these huge icons, like it's going to warp your mind. Like no one, no humans are made to be like have the, like, yeah. And they both did it really artfully. All things considered like Prince or we talk about someone like LeBron, like they've had really intense careers in the public light combined with like really intense what must be personal lives getting yeah. that great at something so i was thinking like, so like tiger to, woods as well yeah. tiger woods is right in that vein yep. of those same yeah. guys it's like their life just prodigies. unfolded yeah prodigies for sure and like global icon kind of things like yeah. everybody knows tiger woods and prince or stuff right, like that yeah. they become these like anyways i didn't make yeah, it i didn't want to make it like a negative not, thing i think it's no, like yeah. going back to prince i think that's like the cool thing about yeah. like his music you know what totally. is it just like uh and i mean this is a, <laughs> a open-ended question this is broad but like what is it about prince for you that like yeah makes you a fan a super fan i guess yeah for me actually it's like I'm of I, I there's a lot of people like me who have my Prince fanship actually comes from first being obsessed with recording. Like good point. Like yeah. I you know, I was born in 1987, so like by the time I was listening to music, like Prince was still really popular in the early 90s. Like I remember being a kid seeing him play on the Today show when he <laughs> like was the symbol and stuff. Like I remember that stuff like and the Batman movie was huge to me. Yep. So like I knew who Prince was, but like it was like I was into my own thing. It was just kind of like old popular music to me for a while until I really got into recording. And as someone who plays like a lot of different instruments and got obsessed with kind of like recording at home and stuff, like he's the original kind of like home recording musician in many ways. Like all those Prince albums are made at home. So like yeah. outside of his work at Sunset Sound, which is always like some amount from... 30 to 80 percent of the classic albums but there's always somewhere really in 20 sign to the times yeah. where he got like the big studio you know yeah. and even and that was at his, his home yeah. yeah even that yeah. was at his but home like so that's where it came about for me was like he's sort of the end-all be-all in a certain way of like just like the musician by himself yeah. grinding creating the thing yeah, and then and, bringing and, the people in later and he records it like how i think a lot of people do in the like i was talking about my process at the beginning of this where it's like just making tons of stuff and having like a constant practice in the studio. And then like things are always developing, but you kind of like make a lot of stuff and the best of it kind of becomes the defining thing. So to me, like I really got into him just from people like hearing folklore about his like studio life. And of course, then I like fell in love with the music, but I kind of like a certain variety of Prince music that's not really the popular like shit. Like I like all those big albums, but like, you know, he's got a lot of styles. Like I don't listen to the ballads as much as I listen to the more like electro up tempo one chord shit. Like I'm really like, into see, like that's frenetic like. Prince. It, 
that's what I like about Prince, though, is like you can have a vibe for everything. This is what I tell my wife of like, okay, maybe I do want Ballad Day, right? So totally. I'm going to listen to yeah. Pink Cashmere, which is not even a big song. It's like a back catalog song, you know? And uh, sometimes it snows in April, right? And it's like, damn, man, that I got that yeah. vibe, right? But maybe I'm feeling a, a very electronic and I'm going to go to DSMR, you know yeah. what I mean? And to that era of prince maybe i'm feeling jazzy you know i'm gonna go to diamonds and pearls it's just like for me as a as a dude who has like musical add i feel like and sometimes i just want to create these things and they don't always turn out the best ways because it's like that's not who i am somehow i feel like prince as an artist has found some way to like slither around all these different genres and like somehow make them sound like him regardless if you like it or not or, or whatever it's like you can't deny that like oh he sounds uniquely like himself on this type of track. I don't know how, but it works, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love that part about him, too. Like, when I I started being into it because of the recording thing, but I certainly have become, like, a Prince fanatic in the way that you're saying, where it's like, I like the ballads and everything now, too, because, like, I yeah. like this dude who had this voice that was able to do so many different things over a period of time. And, like... Yeah, there's something about like the energy of it too is just really like yeah. feels good. Like he's a pretty feel good artist. There aren't that like there are heavy Prince songs, but a lot of it the message is pretty like simple. It's just about like trying to like be a good person and love. live well, love and like you know kind of seek like you know he's he's an empowering he has like an empowering message or yeah. something if you kind of like listen to the whole thing like people always write about the sexual <laughs> shit but it's like even I that's know, empowering man. for yeah. a lot of people yeah. but like well, overall yeah. the message was like pretty cool like and loving and this is love yeah. yeah i mean like you could take black, love so many different directions some of my favorite prince quotes black white puerto rican everybody just a freaking yeah uh, what else that. uh was uh some people call me rude i wish we all were nude i wish there was no black yeah, and white like, i wish there were no rules it was like, like kumbaya, it's all about just, yeah man everything and he was young when he was writing some of that stuff. Yeah. You're talking 20, 21 yeah. years old, some of that, you know. He had a cool, inclusive, like, vision of the world that, like, permeated all the songs. Right. Yeah. You were talking about, like, the studio side of things. And the thing that always struck me with with, with Prince was his, like, I'm just going to plug the guitar right into the desk. Like, this really weird, <laughs> dry guitar sound. Bring your fucking guitar. I gotta say, you don't I, hear that really so much. Yeah, I mean, Andy, like, how do you feel about some of those mixes on the earlier I, albums? Because sometimes, sometimes I do listen so like, like I love, I love for you, uh, great album. This is his first album for you, man. And he's welling, but um, but some of those songs, I'm just like, man, I wish like. The bass was pumping a little bit more, or something. You know, some of those earlier albums, yeah, the well, mixing so, is just like very yeah. weird. Yeah, for like for you and the self-titled one are kind of their right, own right. Era yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah. there's, you know, like, well, the second one was recorded at a house, but they still have this sort of like they're cut from this post Stevie Wonder. Like he hadn't yeah, quite yeah. found it, found his voice. They're kind of like disco-ish. 70s funk soul earth wind and fire but he's doing the synth thing a little but still like yeah they're cut from a different era. sort of like a poor man's earth wind and fire like. <laughs> they really yeah, are yeah that's like, a good way like, to put that yeah man.
like don't have yeah. the musicianship or like the studio know how to make those like super crisp. Right. Totally. Like Dirty yeah. Minds when he like finds his voice. Dirt, that's yeah, one hundred percent. Where what you talk about when you yep. talk about Prince with like the drum machines combined with like like if we get into like the the funk and the groove element of it like his defining thing in a certain way is like the drum machines are straight but the feeling is in the bass and the guitar the live instrumentation right so like the like like you mentioned um dmsr dance music sex romance like that song is like fucked up how boring (laughs) and straight the drums are like it's like listening to like the most basic drum machine pattern but it's like becomes really funky because of the way that like the feel and the instruments Prince is pretty foundational for doing that. Like Sly Stone did do that a little with like "There's a Ride" well, going on. Guy, some of his you know? like, yeah, that's yeah. his guy. Like I some of the drum machine, yeah. the drum machine Sly Stone Huge stuff has that him. where it's like he was using you know the rhythm ace or whatever those drum machines are, and then playing around it. But then like Prince, just the intersection of technology with like the Lin drum and stuff, he could do a little bit more with that sort of like drum machine beats live musicianship right um, yeah. and and so to, yeah i don't know where we started but that <laughs> as far as the home recording thing or like the the energy i think just it wasn't quite his sound or his records yet the early ones yeah and it really takes to but you could tell he was on the path just like the ceaseless there. like invention and exploration and sort of curiosity in the studio i think i think that's the thing with with prince too as a as an artist and somebody who's just like obsessed with music right seeing somebody else like that it's like oh there's there's other people out there who who are like this who care about these things who like freak out and like go crazy you know and and uh you know prince gets like a he's not the best human being i feel like to his fellow musicians from what i hear sometimes right right. you know and it's like because he comes from that nature of like i could do this for five hours six hours eight hours this is all I want to do. And the other right. people are like, I need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. I gotta like, go do something. Like, like MJ. Like reminds me of what you right. hear about Michael yeah, Jordan. Exactly. Where it's like yep. his collaborator his teammates, like it was like hell to work with him, but it like took them to these heights like right. they didn't necessarily yep. like see in themselves. For sure. Exactly. Like that's what a lot of those like you hear there's so many interviews with like Prince collaborators yeah. these days since he passed so away. Many. Like there's a lot of content. Yeah, with his past collaborators, and that's like a common thread. Was it was like this like hard tour of duty feel to it, but he sort of like brought out something you didn't know you had because, like I like talk about like weird trees and stuff. You know, there's like the Jimmy Jam, you know Jimmy, Jimmy Jam, Jam and, and Terry, Terry Lewis, Lewis. You know, yeah. like they play in the time, which is you know this Prince but then offshoot they became band, a huge thing and, on their own. Yeah. <laughs> And there's this great like story Jimmy Jam tells of like when he was first in the time, you know, he where like Prince would run their rehearsals. Right. And he said he was like, learn the record, learn the lead part, he's playing with his right hand, and like Prince stops the rehearsal and he's like, Jimmy Jam, you gotta play with the left hand too, double the bass line. And so he was like, Oh, I can do that. Like yeah. I wasn't going to, but I'm good enough. So he starts doing that and he's like, Prince stops rehearsal. And he's like, Jimmy Jam. 
you got to do the dance steps now too. And at first he's like, Fuck this guy. <laughs> and then he's like, over a couple of rehearsals, yeah. I learned I can play two hands and dance. And then he's like, then I started to, then he's like, it opened me up to this whole thing. I'd add, he's like, I part of my solo. I'd drop my hat a certain yeah, way. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, at the beginning of it, he's like, I, you know, I would have just played, been a keyboard player, but by the end of right, it, like right, I was yeah. this performer. And, I was watching something super random on Instagram. It was about Quentin Tarantino sort of being the same way with like Jamie Foxx during Django Unchained. Jamie Foxx said he's like, I would roll up on the stage in my Rolls Royce or whatever fancy car thinking I was like this big actor. And and Tarantino's like, no, come back here. You're, you're saying your lines like you're this rich guy. You need to say him like you're a slave. And he like, he would like talk him into like this... Like he'd piss him off almost. He'd piss right? him off. He <laughs> yeah. was like super hard to work with, but in the end, he got to this this fantastic product. So he was a hard guy to work with. Sounds like the same thing. It's like they pushed him to these new heights that they didn't realize they were able to yeah. achieve because of their limitations of like where they were in their headspace. So you need these outside like collab going back to collaborations. Yeah. Like I'm gonna push you, and you're gonna hate me in the moment. Like you're gonna piss me off. And and in the end, the products can be better. Mm-hmm. I think everybody in the room like will know that though too. You know what I mean? Like even the people like you said, they you'll hear the interviews and they're like, "Yeah, I hated him for it." Hated but, like, him. Look, yeah. And even sometimes, you know, speaking of uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, you know, one thing that they talked about, I think, in the same thing that I talked about of like how they didn't want to really leave. You know what I mean? They were like, "We're we're in this band," you know. And Prince essentially like kicked them out for like missing a show or something uh-huh, crazy, yeah, or the flight yeah. was late or something. And they're like, for real? You about to just like kick us out? And he's like, yeah. But, you know, like this is y'all like y'all are like really he was like, y'all are better than this and y'all need to go like explore that, you know? And they're like, please don't like, no, you're Prince. Like we like this gig, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Yeah. just pushing people out of the circle. You know, I, you know, I really. Maybe birds got to learn how to fly. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I really like about uh, about Prince too is just like I really feel like he was prolific and ahead of his time with a lot of things. You think about uh, Warner Brother and him changing his name to a symbol was to get out the contract. Then you write "slave" across his face, and then he starts selling music online, and people are like, "What? You on the internet? Like this is '94? Yeah, you talking 1994? You know yeah. what I mean?" And he's spot underrated about, internet like pioneer. Yeah, Prince. for like, real. He Prince was like, you like, could like, like chat with him on a message board. That and is, stuff. Cr- like, I know, right? Exactly. Like, he had, it's he crazy. Had, like, an early message about. board. He had the message yeah. boards. He had the CDs up for sale where you could buy them digitally, and people were just yeah. like, "What do you mean digitally? Like, or you could buy real copies?" And I think he always just he pushed you know uh with the black album which was the album he released and then it was already out there and then he decided he had some moment where uh like love sexy was the next album which is where he's like naked on the cover where he's like i'm being reborn and rebirth and he had got over the black album which is super negative and a diss song to bob george and he's just like send him back and people are like well, it's already like we already shipped one of like we already shipped out the albums. What are you talking about? He's like, no, my mind has changed. There's a new album that I'm working on. Like, this is what it is. This doesn't represent who I am. I don't want this out there, you know. And it's like there. That's like one of the most coveted. I feel like Prince albums is like the Black Album. I mean, it's, it's so interesting because I'm sure he's like the biggest asshole, but also like, damn, I respect that. This you got to respect that. That's what I'm saying. He's I'm like just, a quintessential yeah. artist. Have you yeah, listened kind to of a singular? person like yeah. there's like stories of artists do like, like visual artists doing that same thing it's like no this this exhibition's about to open they're like no these paintings are coming down <laughs> off your walls like this yeah. not yeah I, I had second thoughts now like 
Andy, have That's you listened like, to yeah. um, Welcome to America yet? A little bit. Like it didn't it, it didn't hit me like I, I get what you mean. You gotta like, go back and Yeah, I should and check, check it out, out more. Though. I'm sure yeah. like I can there's so many songs in there too where it's like so they just released a like posthumous album uh called Welcome to America and it's got some heavy hitters on there. Tal Wickenfield is playing bass, but obviously this is like ten years ago or whatever, or twelve years ago. And um, you know, a lot of these songs, Welcome to America, it feels like they're about current situations that are happening today. And when yeah. I think of like no way did he write this in 2010. There's a song, the song Welcome to America. He's just I, like talking about the iPhone, like, you know, and like the internet and like all these things that are happening right now where it's like, what? Why did you not release this? And he never just released it. It was just in the vault. He had a tour for it. It's so just like weird. These, these prolific I mean, things. There's like, like some out. psychosis up in there with, you know. Yeah. It's definitely a, an, an intense life to live yeah. when you look at his life. I mean, the, the like, untimely death especially by a drug overdose is a weird weird way to like end a life so it makes the whole everything that preceded it have this like weird intensity to it but yeah. even without that like it was intense like yeah you know you like just where he ended up and like and again it's that like we touched on a little bit like the fame thing it's like a weird like he wanted to just he was such a pure musician but he had this like weird massive fame too so it's shot his life into a weird direction yeah um, i think he knew he'd be famous but i mean even nobody could really determine <laughs> yeah like what it's that gonna, amount it's yeah unfold or whatever and times change so you know you just think of like fuck no one was talking about prince that much like in 2000 or you think again right. to the even 2012 before he had that last little era before he passed away but it's like he was just recording every day like out in minneapolis so it's interesting and the motherfucker like, living in minneapolis he could live anywhere yeah, well you know what he said you know why he says he stayed there home or what because it's so cold the bad guys don't want to come there <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said yeah, in the early I, I always love that's a reason i love him too like right, no, i just I like he has the, it's so like unique and, well, like, he and talk, he's, a, he's yeah. a great midwest like well he talked about that he likes the midwest vibe like he grew up in that area so like chan hansen or whatever it's like they would be like, "Oh, that's Prince coming here to pick up his medical supply or whatever or whatever." Like he was like, it was like they knew him as Prince, but also it was like he's the dude from the community, you know, and that kind of grounded him in a sense that you know of like I'm I'm famous, but in Chan Hansen, I'm just the dude who goes up the street right. here to grab this thing, just and people guy. know me, you know. Oh, today's his birthday. Did we mention yeah, that as we record this? Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been his 64th birthday. <laughs> He would have been yeah. 64. That's yeah. What it is. yeah. Wow. Cool. Wild. Good Prince talk. Yeah, I man. need to go try harder. It, it, so I, I will say this, Scott. I wasn't always a Prince fan. And I don't yeah, know, Andy. Okay. So my experience was my uncle. I was super into Jimi Hendrix. This is when I was getting a guitar and all this. And he was like, and, and much of your, what you're saying of like, I always knew of him. But he was like the, the sex dude, the little Rick Corvette dude. Like what? And my uncle was like, oh, you know, like Prince is just like really into Jimi Hendrix. That's where the Purple Rain thing. I was like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, you don't like Prince? And I was like, no. And he's like, you need to go back. And he told me to just like kind of go through the discography. And as I went through, I was just kind of like more intrigued to see the like diversity of being like oh okay it's not just this weird 80s thing that i hear about of thinking yeah, like he's sexual yeah. and all yeah. these sense and obviously you know you get into it and there's some of that in in the 90s stuff or maybe even earlier than that but it's like man the body of work is just so crazy and you know we talked about family tree and collaboration 
dude, you, I'm like, oh, the time and, and, you know, and trying to figure out who Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are. Oh, the family. What was this thing? The family. Uh-huh. Oh, who's this Martika's Martika's kitchen? He wrote an album for this. Oh, wait, he wrote an album for, uh, you know, or wrote some stuff for Bonnie Ray. It's just like my musical tree from Prince was just oh, Joni Mitchell. He was super into Joni Mitchell. Yeah. That's how I started to get into her. So. Like, as far as, like, him being a consummate, like, uh, a person who just loves music and you can sense that regardless of if you like his music or not, you know he's a person who loves music. It's like, once you get into that world, it just takes you to way other places. Love that. I'm off my soapbox now. (laughs) KJ was getting live there. (laughs) Real live. Let's go to this last topic. Well, yeah, I didn't tell Andy about uh, this. Okay, that's, that's all right. Why, yeah, do yeah. Do we ever tell him Sick. about this? No, I don't know. I don't think so. So uh, we always, round. yeah, we always ask uh, our musicians on the show if your music was a type of blank, what would it be? And uh, I got a, I got a real easy one. I was surprised to look back that we haven't done this one yet, Scott. But if your music, so we're thinking about the lasso, your whole universe. If your music was a type of pop or soda, oh. what would it be? Oh well. Let's see. I'm going to go with like a kind of weird regional ginger beer. Go for it. Because like I'm, I, I recognize the niche part of what I do. Like I've established a sound and I got a thing going, but it's it's like I might need to, you know, not everybody's into it, but people who like it, you know, they might find it and they're like, oh, this one's got a really strong ginger taste. I also got red hair. I also got a little bit of a ginger. That's not why. But I do think, yeah, it's like I use a lot of like a kind of a my formula isn't super new or cutting edge or something. I'm dealing in a lot of classic shit, but it's kind of this weird take on it. But cool. also, to add to that, ginger beer is collaborative with many alcohols to make many good different drinks. Very hey, true. Wow, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, that's why I, I, I order gin and ginger whenever, yeah. anytime oh, I'm at a bar. A, I like a ginger and uh, um, a rye or a, a bourbon. Yeah, you can put it with all. Yeah, sorts ginger of, goes in all types of stuff. Yeah, there you get ginger beer. I like that. this. You could dude. Always mix it up. That was a good question. Collaborative. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's different ones, you know. Yeah, that was a good one. That was like ginger one. beer. I did not expect that. that I love ginger hot. beer, man. I do like ginger yeah. beer. I like it by itself. Too. Nice little kick. Yeah, yeah I drink yeah. it by itself. Same I like, I like the spicier, the better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same. And like, yeah, you know, it could be. It's a good non-alcoholic drink yeah. or alcohol yeah. collaborative. You know, so yeah. a lot of the NA people, you know, non-alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me get the ginger beer. Yeah, we're good. Cool. I like it. Good job. Well, it's good yeah. to have you. Yeah, thanks yeah, so much for having me, Andy. Andy. Thanks so much. We circled around and got many different places. I, I have to go listen more prints. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I got a good. playlist for that. Yeah, well, <laughs> we need to share this with our listeners. We'll have to, at some point oh, during our hiatus between season two and season three, create some type of playlists. Yeah. So I'm saying on the air so that we actually do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. I started yeah, yeah. it. I just yeah, need yeah. to finish it, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, Andy, man, appreciate you, man. Thank yeah, you. Thanks, yeah. you guys. Peace. Till next time.